Welcome to another message from Bridge Assembly, located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information on Bridge, go to our website at bridgehelena.com. It is our prayer that this message will help you to connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. I want you to know that that song is true. The arms of Jesus are open wide, waiting, waiting for us to make that step toward him. And and he woos us and he calls us to himself with those open arms. And, And you know what? With Jesus, he doesn't care what you did in your past. He doesn't care that the world has maybe called you unworthy. He doesn't care about those things. What he cares about is is getting you to himself where healing and redemption and all these wonderful things can happen. So this morning, I want you to know you, you can't leave this building here today without knowing how much Jesus loves each one of you and is calling each one of you to himself. It is never too late. Let's get with Jesus. Heavenly Father, Lord, it's it's all about you this morning. It's all about your Son, driven by the Holy Spirit. Lord God, we are worshiping you. And we like to be loud, and it's a joyful noise, and you love that. And Lord, I, I prayed earlier that, that I asked you to send your angels to worship with us this morning, and, and I believe you did just that. Holy Spirit, take take your, your order and... and Place it upon us that that we may glorify you this morning. Jesus, as we enter into this very special service this morning, we we do have an understanding that it is all about you, Jesus. It's all about the powerful name of Jesus and the powerful action of what you do in our life. And it's us deciding to follow you, not just in idea, not just in word, but indeed and in action. And we're going to participate in that today for no other reason than to glorify you, Jesus. So Jesus, today we celebrate who you are today and every day. Not just this Sunday, but every Sunday. Not just this day, but every day we celebrate who you are and we desire. We're making a conscious choice here to desire to have you within our lives. Lord, you have rule and reign in this house, and you have rule and reign in this life. Jesus, you're so wonderful. You are so wonderful. By your blood, we are transformed, we are healed, we are redeemed. A new creation in Christ. Father, thank you for sending your Son, and we pray, and we lift up our eyes, and we glorify Jesus in all of these things. If you agree with that, if you agree with that in Jesus' name, just shout out with me, amen. Amen. Awesome, guys. That was good. You guys can be seated. What are we doing here? I don't need to know the weather. All right. That was good, huh? Man, that new song is pretty great. Some were those other songs. Those were all pretty, pretty great. Well, at this point, let's let's dismiss the kids downstairs to do their own thing, to have a lot of fun. Oh, yes. Look at them. All right. Get to running. Run, run, run. The excitement they have. I don't know if there's excitement to get down to kids' church or it's just excitement to get out of hearing me talk. It, it could be either. You adults, however, don't have an option here, um, but that's okay. We're, we got quite a few announcements this morning, so I'm going to run through them relatively quickly. They are all in your bulletin. You can get to them online, the weekly email. It's all there, but let's let's run through these. Um, obviously, today is a special day where It'll be a, a baptism Sunday. We'll be headed down to Spring Meadow Lake after 
the service ends, and uh, we'll have a little bit of a gap in time because if uh, you're being baptized or you're the guy baptizing people, we want to give you enough time to, to change if you want. Um, if you don't know where Spring Meadow is, grab onto somebody and just follow them. It's like right at the bottom of the hill, but we want to park on the opposite side. Don't park on this close side or you're going to have to walk all the way around. We'll park. We'll make a comp. Man, we're going to invade that place. And it's going to be a warm day, so there's going to be a lot of people there, and we're going to go out there, and we're going to we're going to show Christ, and we're just going to have a baptism. It's going to be it's going to be awesome. So that's going to be directly after the service, and then later today, west of 50s is going on. That'll be at five o'clock here. No, not here at Badgers. And there's directions out on the counter. Um, it's always a good time, but that'll be 5 o'clock today for West of 50s. I'm just going to keep rolling. And then Bridge Cafe Training. That's funny, isn't it? I saw that and I thought that was so funny, so I put it up there. But we're doing a, a cafe training for new baristas or anybody really that wants to work in the coffee place. If, if you want to run the register, if you want to do any of those things. This is a, a great training to come to. This will be Tuesday, July 25th, 6 p.m. in the cafe. There's even pizza and salad provided. So maybe you don't currently work in the, in the cafe, but you might want to. This is a great place to, this is a great training to and, and learn all about it. Um, we are getting, I, I wasn't gonna announce this, but we are getting a new espresso machine. Um, a big one, like a real one, and it's going to be awesome. And God just totally, amazingly worked through all of it. It's 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 like the best espresso machine on the market, and we're getting it for like just not literally nothing. Um, and we even sold our old one already. So even what the difference is. It's amazing how God works when we're just obedient to him. But if you have an interest in that, if you have any questions, Mel or John have all the answers, especially Mel. I mean, like, she'll have all, but she'll text you like in the middle of the night, even, <laughs> even. Yeah, it's awesome. See, she apologized to me for that this morning, and you should have known I'm not going to let that go. Um, but if you guys have questions about anything about the cafe, grab um John or, or, or Mel, and they will answer. And then Saturday, August 5th, we're doing a float trip on the Missouri. If you guys have ever been on a float trip with us, it's a whole lot of fun. Um, you get wet. There's water guns. There's all sorts of stuff. It's just a fun thing. Um, so that's Saturday the 5th. We meet at Grub Steak. Do everybody know where the Grub Steak is? It's like the last, it's the Lincoln and... I-15 exit, basically. Um, we meet in their parking lot, and then we can all follow each other to where we launch, and that's usually at that bridge right there. So kayaks, canoes, paddle boards, or anything that floats, maybe that's going a little far with anything that floats, but um, kayaks, canoes, paddle boards work great. If you have any questions on that, you just fire them away. That is in your bulletin as well, but let's, let's come out for that. So that's on Saturday the 5th. And then on Sunday the 6th, we're having a ministry fair here, and that is just simply before service or after service. There'll be tables out here. If you are interested in getting involved in any ministry, men's, women's, Kids, youth, worship, video, sound, Facebook, mowing the yard, whatever it is, we're going to just be out there and available for questions. So if you have never plugged into anything, Wednesday night stuff for adults, kids, youth, all of that is good. Um, we'll just give you information. But here's the deal. I believe that... that that the Holy Spirit is probably speaking to people in here that they need to do more than just attend and maybe they need to take that next step and actually get involved maybe as a youth leader or, or a kids leader. That doesn't mean it all it's put on you. It's just that you make yourself available to help in that um, along with a lot of other ones. So Sunday, August 6th, please pray. Um, just say, 
God, where do you want me in this church? What do you want me to be doing? What capacity do you want me to serve here? We're going to learn a little bit more about that in our message today. So that'll be Sunday, August 6th. And then, of course, next Sunday is the last Sunday of the month. So we have last Sunday's potluck. Bring a dish and a side or a dessert. Man, we've been having such... Don't you think we've been having amazing food lately? It's like every last Sunday is like the plates aren't big enough. We're going to have to get bigger plates. Get like those old um, sleds that were saucers, right? That's about the size of plates we need because there is such good food. If you've never attended a last Sunday, just attend the last Sunday. It's a great time to connect. So we do service, right? We do same stuff going on in here and then afterwards as we smell the wonderful aromas during service, then we all go down and we hang out together. If you've come to every single last Sundays that we've ever put on, switch up your seating this this time. Sit with people that you've never sat with. Meet people that you don't really know. Get to know them. Last Sundays is all about that. And then also a couple outreaches that we have going on. We have the backpack outreach going on right now, right? So we had a lot of backpacks leave last Sunday, but we still have some. We even had some come back this morning. Um, but all you do is you grab a backpack. We provide the backpacks. You fill them up with the, with the, um, the list of what that grade level needs. Uh, within that, we want to include a handwritten in letter of encouragement. Who is getting this backpack? We don't know, but the Holy Spirit does. So whatever God prompts you to write on that, just to encourage them, maybe that's the only hopeful message that that child or here or that household will hear, but we want to make sure we include that. And then in the past, the Gideons have given us the little orange Bibles. I'm looking for Jim. Where's Jim? Jim's on Facebook. Jim, are we having, can we get those little, he gives us the thumbs up. So each backpack will have the essentials that they are required to have, a letter of hope and encouragement, and one of the little orange Gideon Bibles. Oh, how awesome is that? So that all goes through the Salvation Army. So we, we do this end, and then we give it to them, and they're always so excited when we pull up and we have all these backpacks, they, and they get so excited. So that's going on right now. So if, if you want to participate in that on your way out, grab a backpack, and then we've been doing our food drive is still going on. Um, we have a food pantry here, and uh, July and August is our food drive months. We just expanded. I say we, right, Ron? We, me, and no, I didn't hang a sheet of drywall, but um, they did, and now our pantry's over twice the size, and we've got more shelves coming and all this good stuff. So let's go ahead and fill that. There's a list of things that we absolutely need. And then there's the things we don't absolutely need because we have so much of, which are green beans and corn. I have lots of that. But other things that we could use are on that list. So please consider being a part of that. Finally, giving. We come to the portion of, of, of this service where we, we just open. We don't need that slide. Flip it over. That one we need. Um, Four ways to give, like always, you can give online, especially through our app. Our app is a wonderful way to get to giving and, and messages and, and bulletins and all that. You can text it, you're giving, you can stick it in the giving box, you can mail it to 725. Um, at this church, we don't pass the tray around or anything like that. We, we kind of got away from that because we want your giving to be um, voluntary and between you and God. We don't want to compel you to give. We just want you to. We just want to give you the opportunity to give. Giving is a is a form of worship, is what we have to understand. And we give because we want to. And we're by giving, we're humbling ourselves, and we're simply saying, Jesus, man, you're in charge of my life, including my checkbook. That's that's hard for some people, but that's that's all we do. And and we thank God for that. And we are a giving church. And and when we do it this way, it just seems like God meets our needs, but he's also blessing people because they're being obedient. Amen? You guys ready? Ready to jump in here and get going? Let's pray, 
And then I'll kind of, we'll talk about how service is going to look today. Father, once again, it's so awesome and wonderful and amazing to be in your house today. Lord, I have anticipation today that, that you're going to work, you're going to do wonderful things, you're going to give us a message that causes us to to want to change things in our lives. It's going to be convicting, it's going to be confirming, overall, it's going to be comforting because, Lord, with your presence here, we're going to understand how much that you love each one of us. Lord, you are calling us to you. And that call continues throughout our life. So, Lord God, help us to answer that, that call. Jesus, again, today, man, especially today, it's so all about you. So we glorify you. We look to you. We run to you. We love you in this church, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, help me to speak those things that, that you will have me to speak. And only those things. Lord God, if, if, if you don't want me to speak certain things, shut my mouth. I want to yield to you 100% because, Lord, again, it's all about you. And once again, just like every Sunday I pray, and I believe every Sunday you respond and answer this prayer. Holy Spirit, don't let anybody walk out of these doors. Don't let them leave this building. Don't let them leave the baptism the same way that they came in. Because, Lord God, you are a God of change, and you want us to become more like you. So show us your attributes. Because, Lord, I believe once you show us your attributes, we can do nothing but run to you. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and everyone shout it out. Amen. Amen. What an exciting day. What a great day to be here at Bridge Assembly. So what we're going to do is we're going to start out this morning. We're going to continue with this series on the book of Colossians. We've been in it. Gosh, we're on part eight, so we've been in it eight weeks. We're not quite through chapter one, so we've kind of set the pace that we're going to be in this very short but powerful book of the Bible for a long time, but we're digging into it, right? We're digging deep, and I, and I hope you appreciate going slowly and, and really understanding the power in the words of Paul as he's inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this, this epistle or this letter to the Colossian church. So we're going to start out by continuing that. And, and i gotta, I got to be up front with you right now um, that I made a mistake. Forgive me. Can you forgive me for making a mistake? I, in error, I told you last week that today we would get through chapter one, that, that next week we would be moving on to chapter two. It's just not going to happen because, man, I got into these verses and I was like, oh, this is enormous. This is so good. I can't rush this. So we're going we're gonna to look into uh, some of the last verses of, of chapter one. And, and um, I hope God really speaks and, and challenges you and, and opens some things up to you. And then we're going to end service today with communion. Right? So we're going to go from, from the message into communion. And then right after communion, we're going to leave here. We're going to go down to Spring Meadow Lake for an incredible baptism service. I'm asking you guys, what could be better? What could be better? Man, if the rapture happens right after the baptism, man, that's the only thing that could make today better. That being said, I will say this, that being said, if you're sitting in service here today and, and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and you're feeling, ooh, something's going on in my life and he's, he's wooing you and calling you and you want to make those steps and, and maybe you've been baptized or maybe you've never been baptized, you don't have to sign up three weeks prior to get baptized. Man, if you feel like we're down at Spring Meadow and you're like, I got to get baptized this morning. I just got to get baptized this morning. Get baptized this morning. Your clothes will dry, right? They're just temporary anyway. That doesn't mean don't wear them. I'm not saying take all your clothes off. I'm saying come in the water, get baptized. If the Lord is asking and calling you to do so, don't let this opportunity get by. Baptism is an amazing thing. So let's get started. Let's get started into this wonderful book of the Bible once again. Let's, um, let's remember why Paul is writing this epistle and what he is emphasizing. Um, we see three things that he emphasizes here. 
Number one, Jesus is central and supreme to all and in all things. Amen to that. Jesus is the Son of God, absolutely, without a doubt. Number three, we are to strive to live a life in Christ. You see that? We are to strive to do that. It doesn't mean it's always easy. It's not by default. It's not like I prayed the prayer and now, now I'm eternally saved and sanctified and I have to do nothing. No, we have to strive each day to live a life in Christ. But I would add this. It's not striving in a bad way. It's striving because we absolutely want to. Now, we've been talking about how this is why Paul wrote this letter to the Colossian church, but this is to us as well. So we take all of this and we make it personal to us, and we can do that through prayer. We can do that for affirmation. So flip that side. We do that by doing this. Jesus, you are central and supreme to me and in all things in my life. We, we make that statement on a daily basis. We want to proclaim that in our lives, in the lives of our families. Number two, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. There is power in that simple statement every day for us to say, Hey, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Well, of course we do if we're born-again believers, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't continue to say it. So we do that on a daily basis. And then number three, Jesus, I will constantly and continually strive to live a life in you as my Lord and Savior. That's me affirming that I'm going to try. Will I sometimes fall short? Yes. But will I constantly and continue to strive to live a life in you as my Lord and Savior, God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I will. The last two messages, really the last two weeks, um, I hope you were here, I hope you've listened to them, because they were, they were great. They focused on the supremacy of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you remember from last week, or maybe it was the week before, Paul is testifying to the deity or the royalty of Jesus Christ and his supremacy by making these three main points. This is all good review. Number one, Jesus is the exact living image of the unseen God, right? He is the exact image. He's the triune God, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're separate in personality, but one. So Jesus has to be the exact living image of the unseen God. Number two, all things were created and exist through Jesus Christ. I'm talking all things. So it's like even our creative ability and our ideas were given to us by God. So all things were created and exist through Jesus. Sometimes that gets perverted, right? And, and people use it in the wrong way. Number three, Jesus is the head of the body, what we call the church. Jesus is the head of everything that we do as a body of believers. Individually, we're under that because we're a part of the body of believers to which Jesus is the head. We then read why reconciliation through Jesus is necessary. Do you remember from last week why reconciliation is necessary? We'll throw that up there. Number one, mankind is born into alienation and separation from the Father. That came at the Garden of Eden. There was separation that occurred. So, so people are just born into this alienation and separation from the Father. Number two, man is inherently hostile toward God. It's just, just because we're born into a sinful world, we're going to be inherently hostile toward God. Number three, mankind is destined on his own to participate and live in sin. I think we see that. We look outside, we listen to the news, we see that mankind is destined to participate and live in sin. Number four, Jesus is not only the only one who can reconcile mankind, he does so willingly. That's amazing. Jesus died for you on the cross willingly because he loves you. Number five, Jesus really did live a physical life, and he really did live a physical death. If anybody tells you different than that, um, just kind of disregard all of that and get some solid teaching in your life. Jesus was here physically. He suffered physically. He died physically. It's, communion is, is participating in that um, as, as symbolism, but we have to understand it was physical. Number six, through the forgiveness and by his blood, we are a new born-again creation, holy and blameless, beyond accusation. I love that, beyond accusation. Again, it doesn't mean we're not going to make missteps. It doesn't mean we're, we're not going to fall, give in to temptation, 
go through trials and tribulations, but when the enemy or the people in this world try to accuse us and tell us we're this or that, or this is why you don't know Jesus or you're not going to heaven, we're beyond that because we're covered by the blood of Jesus. All of that comes together in the last seven messages, really, this supremacy of, of Jesus. And, and it's as if Paul is rolling along in this book of Colossians. And we're getting into it. We're like, yeah, that's my Jesus. That is my Jesus, supreme in all things. This is who Jesus is. But now that brings us to today and, and somewhat of a detour as Paul now switches gears a little bit and begins to talk about the office that he fills as a minister. It's like, wait a second. We were going along and now you shifted gears, but he does it for a very important reason. I hope this morning that we can not only see this through Paul's eyes, but we can also see it through our own eyes because it's very vital and important for us today. So let's get started. If you have your Bibles, which I hope you do, and you have them open and you're all ready, flip over to Colossians Chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 24. This is out of the Amplified Bible, Colossians 1.24. It says this. Hold on to your seats here because this is, this is a good one. Now I rejoice in my sufferings on your behalf, and with my own body I supplement whatever is lacking on our part of Christ's afflictions on behalf of his body, which is the church. Now when you guys are reading your Bible, which I hope you do, do you ever come to verses or portions in Scripture um, and after reading them, all you can say is like, um, okay, well, I don't exactly know what's going on here, but maybe if I keep reading, it'll make sense, or maybe I can ask somebody, but I, it, it's just a little fuzzy right here. I think this can be one of those verses, but when we slow down here and we break it apart, we gain some understanding, it actually is a pretty beautiful verse. What Paul is saying here is, is beautiful, it's wonderful, it's pretty amazing. It's also vital to do this so we don't misrepresent a verse like this. And I will tell you this, that, that this verse has actually been misrepresented a lot within different belief systems, within even within different denominations. This verse can be misrepresented, so we want to we want to try to get everything that we need to get out of this in an accurate way so we don't leave here misrepresenting anything um, that's spoken from this pulpit. Amen? Paul starts out here by telling the faithful believers in the Colossian church about the suffering that he is enduring. Now we have to remember that this is a prison epistle. It's called a prison epistle because Paul is in prison as he is writing this. So we have the understanding that Paul's in chains, he's in prison, he's allowed to write these epistles. There's people coming to see him and they're telling him what's going on and, and he knows that there's a need. He is not focused on his own situation of being in prison, but he's looking beyond that. And if you've forgotten anything or everything that Paul has, has gone through up to this point in his life, I would suggest that you reread the book of Acts and you're going to see Paul's life. It's chaotic situation after chaotic situation. It's, it's, it's stuff going on. Oh, he's in another shipwreck. Oh, he's over here and people are trying to kill him. Oh, he's, he's in state. Paul got, got stoned one time so bad that they thought he was dead and they left him outside. So um, being stoned back then is different than being stoned today. Um, so what they did is they were mad at him. Um, so they took him out and they dropped stones on his head and they collapsed. They thought he was dead. And, and so they go back in and Paul wakes up, shakes it up, he walks back in, he starts preaching. I mean, Paul, Paul went through some stuff and now here he is in prison yet he's compelled to write to this church that's going through some issues with false teaching. And really all of this suffering that Paul is enduring, being a minister for Christ, it was in the interest and the benefit of those people around him, right? It was, it was in the interest of the Colossian church, the faithful believers in the Colossian 
church. So this can be looked at as a, a general statement, right? He rejoices in his suffering to all churches and to all Christians, including us. But, but here, Paul's making it personal to the faithful believers in the Colossian church. He also does this in Ephesians chapter 3. Look at in Ephesians chapter 3, it says this, So I ask you not to lose heart at my suffering on your behalf, for they are your glory and your honor. So people could look at Paul and say, Oh my gosh, look what he's going through. Why is he going through all of this? It's because it's on their behalf. God called Paul into a ministry. He got called Paul to be a minister, and there was a lot of suffering that came with that. See, there is a, a lot that we Christians must endure being a Christian, right? It's costly to be a Christian, especially this day and age. If you're a Christian in countries like North Korea or Iran, it's even more costly but even here in America, land of the free, it can be pretty costly. So we understand that we've got to endure a lot of things. If you've ever been in any capacity of ministry, to any extent at all, you guys know that it can get pretty difficult at times. It can get different. It can get hard being in the ministry. That's why in 2022... 42% of pastors seriously thought about quitting the ministry. And unfortunately, many of them did. And there's a lot that are leaving ministry right now because it's hard to endure um, situations, persecution, but also the sheep that, were, that are within the church. And, and that's, that's what's going on today. But, but what we have to deal with today is relatively small as to what Paul had to deal with, and yet we see him rejoicing in that. Here he is conveying his love for the church by saying, I rejoice in all suffering for you, for the privilege to preach Christ to you and to pray for you. Listen closely. The reason Paul can endure his suffering, his trials, and his tribulation and in fact have victory in them is because he lives in the hope that only Jesus and his supremacy can bring. It's only Jesus can bring that kind of hope and confidence. He is living in that. That allows him to have rejoicing in his times of trials and tribulations. And did you know the Holy Spirit did not only give that to Paul, but he extends that to each one of us. See, when we begin to have the same kind of hope, we begin to look at our current situation a lot differently, don't we? Those things that we see as mountains through the eyes of Christ are nothing more than little tiny molehills. We begin to live and act in regards to the supremacy of Christ. And within that a hope an eternal hope is, is born that cannot be quenched by anything this world throws at us. And it's nothing that anyone can take from us. If you're experiencing the hope of Jesus, the eternal hope of Jesus, the only way that you can lose that is if you forfeit that. No one can take that from you. No one could take it from Paul. It's the confidence Jesus intends us to be walking in. Are you walking in the confidence of Jesus and the hope that comes with it? I hope and pray that you are. Now, I know that some of you are, are struggling with things right now, today, this morning, and, and going through some pretty hard stuff at this moment. But let's learn from Paul's here that despite our current situation, the suffering is worth it because when we keep our eyes on Christ, it will bring glory to the Father and it will strengthen the church. Do you believe that? I hope so. So we know that Paul is suffering for the people, namely in his imprisonment, his persecution, which came from bringing the gospel message to the Gentiles. This shows the opposite of a me-centered Christianity. You guys know what I'm talking about? 
when I say me-centered Christianity, it's the kind of Christianity that we come to church or live our lives and we say, what can the church do for me? Because after all, it's all about me. Boy, I think the church should do this because that's the way I would like it. I think the church shouldn't do that because I don't really like that. Why are they singing this song today when my favorite song is this? See, that's a real me-centered Christianity. And boy, I could, could really expand on this today, but I won't. At least not, not today. That I have in the past and maybe I will in the future. But just understand, Paul is showing us a servant-centered Christianity here. See, a servant-centered Christianity is on the opposite side of a me-centered Christianity. Can you also see that the same sufferings that Paul is going through are actually benefiting us today? They're benefiting us right now simply by bringing us this teaching out of the book of Colossians as well as all the other Pauline epistles and the account of Paul in the book of Acts. That benefits us. So the things that he went through, the things that we have, he had to endure is still benefiting us today. Paul also identifies his suffering with the afflictions of Christ which can be a little bit confusing. Look, look, look at what it says. It says, and with my own body, I supplement whatever is lacking on our part of Christ's afflictions on behalf of his body, which is the church. See, the Amplified Bible here really helps bring some clarification with those three words in the parentheses that says, on our part. See, Christ and his suffering... For our redemption lacked nothing, and it lacks nothing. See, some people can take this verse and say, see, what Christ did, it wasn't enough. There wasn't enough. So we have to supplement the atonement on the cross with other things. And now as, as man and, and as a religious institution, I can start weaving little requirements in there and say, hey, if you want to go to heaven, you got to come to Jesus, but you also got to do this and this and this. We as a church don't believe that baptism is required to go to heaven because the scriptures don't confirm that because Jesus was complete in his atonement on the cross. You don't have to do anything else but come to Jesus because that was complete. So we have to take verses like this and we have to get clarity here. See, Christ and his sufferings for our redemption lacks nothing. His ministry, Jesus' ministry, his teachings, his death and his resurrection were wholly complete. I don't want any misunderstanding there this morning. Paul is saying here that there is a complexity to ministry and by and through man's attempt, there are areas that can have inadequacies. Isn't that the truth? It's like the gospel is perfect, but the way man presents the gospel is not always perfect. We can interject things. We can say, man, I don't know about that. And I didn't think about that. And, and gosh, I guess I should just make this up. And we can't do that. So Paul here is saying that there's a complexity. Um, and, and he's going to stand in the gap here through his teachings. So through Paul's suffering and his diligence to leading and teaching and guiding these churches... And because this has landed him in prison and in eventual martyrdom, he is adding to what is lacking in these churches. Remember, the main reason Paul is writing this letter is to address the false teachings that are going on in this church. And false teachings, guys, false teachings can arise from all sorts of different things. But mainly, the dangerous, destructive false teachings can occur when something, something like proper doctrine or good, solid theology is missing, misunderstood, or neglected in those churches. So Paul is seeking to correct this through his writings, even at the expense of his suffering. 
Understand, Paul's teachings and, and wording here does not and cannot take away at all from the full atoning work of the blood of Christ, born from Christ's sufferings. But Paul can come behind and say, hey, though this is the solid foundation you are to be founded on, there's some things going on that need correction. That is healthy and that is good. And we should welcome that into our lives and into our church. Now understand, um, again, well, I guess we can think of it this way. Let's think of it this way. The union between Christ and his body, that's us, that union is so intimate that Paul is willing to suffer when they suffer. Let that sink in. Jesus loves his body so much, and Paul has a comprehension of that. So Paul is willing to suffer when they suffer. Can you see how that might relate to each one of our lives in here? We're so timid sometimes about being a Christian Christian, because, boy, what if we offend somebody? What if they persecute us? What if my workplace becomes hostile toward me because they know I'm a Christian? And we look at Paul and he's suffering because he sees people that are suffering and they need Jesus and they need a solid foundation in their life. We need to be a lot more like Paul. And now we see the beauty in this verse and the love in the heart of Paul for the body of Christ. Have you, have you guys ever heard anyone say, man, I, I love Jesus, I just hate the church? You ever hear people say that? Man, I love Jesus, I just don't like people. Have you ever said that yourself? Now, if, if anybody has gone through a church hurt, I have a couple times. You can quickly get to that point. Man, Jesus, I love you, but your people, man, I can't stand them. But Paul here is having none of this, even to his, to his own detriment. And I, man, I read these things and I can't, I can't help but be reminded of 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1. Imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Paul, why did you have to stick that in there? Because we look at Paul's life and the things he endured and the things that he pressed on with. And then he says, hey, hey, why don't you guys just imitate me? Because I'm imitating Christ. And what did Christ do? He took it to the cross for each one of us. Paul took it to martyrdom for each one of us. And Paul's saying, imitate me as I imitate Christ. There's some, some, some weight here, isn't there? Will you suffer for your brothers and sisters in Christ? We don't like those kind of questions, do we? Will you suffer for those who have not yet come to Christ? Will you rejoice in your suffering? See, Paul is right. We need to supplement whatever is lacking here. And I'm going to tell you something. This world is lacking it's very much lacking. The completion of the gospel is beautiful, but it's not going the distances that it should because there is a lack there. There's a tendency that we as Christians don't want to put ourselves in a position where we might have to suffer. And we don't want to get to that point where we have to decide if we'll rejoice in our suffering. See, that's American Christianity right there. It's relatively easy. Many other places in this world, there's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of rejoicing going on in that suffering. Amen? Amen. What an uplifting message. What a challenging message. But let's see the beauty in that verse. But let's, let's keep going. Let's look at verse 25. In this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship which God entrusted to me for your sake, so that I might make the world, the word of God, fully known among you. Paul's assertion here that he was made minister, or, or really minister, is translated here from the Greek as one who serves according to the stewardship which God entrusted. 
to him shows why he is bound to suffer and work in whatever way the church needs for its welfare. So now we see with these two verses that Paul not only rejoices in his suffering, he treats his suffering as a matter of joy, but his ministry is also a matter of duty. Ministry to Paul was both a privilege and a sacred trust. Mm, hitting home on us, isn't it? Paul was privileged to preach the gospel, and he also understood that there was a stewardship to the gospel. You guys know what a steward is? A steward is somebody who is left in charge to represent, to make sure that that stays proper, right? So, so Paul says he's a steward of the gospel, preserving within it the truth of the word, the scriptures, and empowered by the Holy Spirit to do so. I think there might be a lot of pastors out there and, and Christians out there today that that would do good to reread this passage and take a good look at this idea of stewardship. See, if I'm a steward of the gospel, I don't try to change the gospel. I don't try to make the gospel something that I think it should be. I don't misrepresent the gospel. That's what being a steward of the gospel is. Can we all agree that we need to be stewards of the gospel? Now let's bring in verse 26. That is the mystery which was hidden from the angels and mankind for ages and generations, but has now been revealed to his saints, God's people. This is amazing here. See, the gospel can be thought of as a mystery because it is the truth. It's truth undiscovered, except by divine revelation, right? Remember I said in the past that unless you have a desire for the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth of the Scripture, it's going to remain nonsense. Even people that are like, man, I wasn't even thinking about Jesus, and, and for some reason it all of a sudden made sense. There's something within them that has this open door to divine revelation for them. See, to those that close that door and they don't want any of that, the gospel, it remains a mystery. Now, everyone in here probably has someone in their life that is unwilling to have the mystery revealed by the Holy Spirit. We pray for those people, right? Man, we diligently pray for those people. God himself, who was once a, a secret and unknowable concept, right? He was debated and questioned and even denied he has always had an open secret. This idea of being an open secret speaks to something that, though once a secret, has now been fully revealed and realized in the gospel of Jesus. Though it was hidden for ages and generations, inaccessible to a full extent, it is now open and available to each one of us. Amen. And that's because of Jesus Christ. His atoning work, His resurrection, His ascension, the giving of the Holy Spirit, the new covenant, which we will celebrate with communion, the new covenant that He established makes known the mystery. See, that secret is only a secret. And that mystery is only a mystery if you choose to keep it just that, a secret and a mystery. It's all our choice, right? We want divine revelation into the gospel of Jesus. We ask. And that is something that he will never hold back from us. The Holy Spirit exists to illuminate scripture and to reveal the mystery. If you have sought and allowed the Holy Spirit to do this in your life, your eyes have forever been opened to the wonder, beauty, and the love of Christ. Never more can you be the same. Nor would you want to be, right? That's just it, man. I've, I've had the, the divine revelation that, that, that 
gave way to a relationship with Jesus. Why would you ever want to go back? Why would you ever not want to be the same? Revelation of the mystery in our life. It changes everything. The, the revealed mystery, it changes the way we think. changes the way we act. The way we speak. The way we see others. And the way we live our life. You believe that? Man, I believe that. How could we be the same if you're sitting here going, man, I need hope in my life. I need that change. I need, I need that difference that you're talking about, Pastor. What do I need to do? Ask is what you need to do. Get before God and simply say, Jesus, I need you in my life. And we open the door for the Holy Spirit to grant in our life the divine revelation and the truth of the gospel message. And all of a sudden, that thing that we once denied, that everybody told us was wrong, that is narrow-minded, that is a crutch, whatever people have said, it becomes a reality within our life. And we are, we are drawn toward it. And we gotta, we gotta get in the Word. We gotta pray. We we got to rejoice because our life has been changed. Make no mistake. It's not just praying a prayer and having an emotional experience and then going on with your life and there's no power or, or divine revelation in that. But it's truly coming before Jesus, humbling yourself and submitting yourself to him and hope springs eternal. It comes in like a tidal wave and it's amazing. I encourage you, if you've never come to Jesus in such a way that today be the day that you open that door to the divine revelation of the beautiful mystery of the gospel message of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It changes us. It has to. It is the eternal and blessed hope alive and on display in us now. Now in a moment, we are going to take part in what we know as the two ordinances of the church. The two ordinances of the church is communion and it's baptism. And both of them are wonderful and powerful. And again, both of them are beautiful. Both of them are an expression on our part of the revelation of the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our life. The act of communion is a reflection but it's also a celebration. See, we partake in communion and with Christ and our brothers and our sisters. And as we do so, we are acknowledging the suffering and the death of Christ. That's the bread portion of communion. And then we celebrate the triumphant new covenant as we together anticipate and look forward to the return of Jesus. That's the juice portion. The, the bread is the body, the juice is the blood. The body is broken, the blood is redemptive. It's the new covenant that, that we now live in in the church age. How beautiful is that suffering and celebration? Then baptism. Baptism allows us to identify in the death but also the resurrection of Christ. When you are laid back in the water, you are in identification with the death of Christ. And in so doing, the death of who you once were, sinful mankind, right? But because of the new covenant, coming out of the water represents the resurrection of Christ. Life triumphing over Death, how wonderful of a symbolic revelation baptism is. Something we can only comprehend if the mystery has been revealed. See, baptism is, is really an outward expression of an inward experience. And it's powerful. And it's important. And it's an action on our Part. Jesus said, man, you need to go make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We as a church body need to be baptizing people because God gave that to us as a commission. And we as an individual Christian need to be baptized to give the outward world 
a glimpse of what's going on within us as it relates to Christ. Baptism, communion, amazing. And we get to do both today. Powerful. I'm going to tell you this. Communion and baptism are as powerful as you allow it to be within your life. Oh, I guess they're having communion today. I hope they got the good bread. I guess I'll go forward and get it. Okay, big deal. Oh, baptism. Yeah, it's hot out. Get a little cooled off. That's not how we treat it. We treat it humbly and in obedience. And we allow the Holy Spirit to direct us and guide. And it should be powerful and it should be life-altering. And did you know, by the way, did you know that, that communion and baptism share a common requirement? Yes, there's a requirement to take communion. There's a requirement to get baptized. Some churches have all sorts of requirements, but biblically speaking, there is one requirement for both communion and baptism. Do you guys know what it is? The requirement is simply that you are a professing follower of Christ. So in essence, they require that the mystery has been declared, disclosed, and announced in your life, and you have chosen to live in accordance with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Once again, amen. Worship team, if you guys want to come up here. So what we're going to do now is we are going to transition into a time of communion. We want to give the worship team a chance to get up here. Um, if you've never taken communion with us here in this church, again, the requirement being only that you personally have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if, for whatever reason, you're sitting here today going, oh my gosh, I don't even know if I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, let me tell you this. What an incredible morning to take that step and make that declaration. So we're going to have time to do that. So if you want to make that declaration, you can make that declaration on your own. If you want somebody to pray with you, we have prayer team. I would be honored to pray with you. Let's take those steps. Let's make it. Don't take it lightly. This is a change in your life. If you've been away from Jesus for a long time, you feel like, man, I've been apart. Maybe this morning's the morning to rededicate yourself to Jesus. For all of us in here, this morning's the, the morning to proclaim our relationship with Jesus Christ despite where you are. Amen? We all need to do it. We've been talking about that. So as we transition into communion, um, we don't pass it around. <laughs> we require you to get up and come get it. And in that time, as you're up and, and you're, you're in line and you're waiting, um, we know that Paul gives some pretty good instructions in, in not taking communion in an, in an unworthy manner. And so what we need to do is we need to be right before God proclaiming who He is and just saying, God, I repent. Forgive me for all the junk that I've been a part of or been in. Just forgive me of those sins I've committed knowingly and even unknowingly by commission or omission. This time in line gives us that chance just to be right. And it makes communion that much more. If you want to love on people, love on them. If you want to pray with people, pray with them. If you need to go up to somebody in this house today and say, man, I need to forgive you or or ask for your forgiveness, or, or whatever. Let's just get that done. If you need to come to Jesus for the first time or the hundredth time, if you've been away, let's get it done. And let's treat communion what, with what communion it is. It's a celebration. It's also an identification. And that is what it will do. So I always find it necessary to give people time to go before the Lord and to make sure they are right with him. I see the kids are up here. The kids will take communion with us. If you want to gather in small groups, that's amazing. I would just ask that you hold the elements until everybody receives. Just take your time. We've got a couple songs. Return to your seat, and we will take it together. If you have questions on any of this, I'll be right there, right there in my front seat, waiting for your questions. But at this time, we will open communion up. Take your time. Will you dim the lights? Amy, will you dim the lights? Thank you, Craig. <laughs>
but we got plenty. Let's do it. Let's do it up. There's always the first person that has to start the line. But again, take your time. Like I said, we've got time. Amen. Amen. With Jesus, it was both a, a had to and a got to, right? Father sent his only begotten son for each one of us. And we so desperately needed it and need it. And it had to be done. There is no other way to redemption except through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So it had to be done. But the love of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit compelled, compelled Jesus to the cross. Think about that. He was compelled to go to the cross. It didn't mean it wasn't hard. It's terribly hard, but but love compelled him to suffer and to die. And, and that's that's why Paul did it. It's because he wanted to be like Christ that much. So so he was gonna suffer. So so when we're afraid to talk to our neighbors or or we're afraid to stand up for our beliefs, we need to come back to Paul, imitate him as he is imitating. Christ. This world is full of suffering. It's full of trials and tribulations. It's full of those things. We have to understand that until we get to glory, things are going to be tough. But we're to endure these things and not only endure them, but have joy in them because we're in service to our Lord. Amen. Well, Paul wrote these words as well in 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 23, it says this, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So this morning as we do this, we're, we're proclaiming the Lord's death and everything that goes along with the Lord's death, right? Redemption, forgiveness. We also proclaim everything that goes along looking forward to Jesus not only working in our life today and tomorrow and the next day but but until the Lord comes again see we do these things there's power in this though it's only a symbolic gesture on our part as we partake in it especially as body of believers that proclamation has power right proclamation has power so everybody take your bread. We're going to pray and then we'll take it. Father, Lord, your plan was brutal. Your plan was crazy. But your plan was perfect. Your plan was beautiful. Thank you for sending your son here. Lord God, to walk this earth all the way to the cross. Broken and betrayed nailed to the cross. Lord God, with this bread, we say we identify with his sacrifice. We understand that that sacrifice was for each one of us. Go ahead and take your bread. And with this juice, we understand the symbolism of the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ that sets us free. The blood of Christ that gives us hope. The blood of Christ that broke the power of sin and death. And by proclaiming the blood of Christ, we are identifying and participating in the new covenant of Jesus Christ, the church age, until his return for the church. So this morning, 
we stand here in proclamation of the new covenant. And Father, we thank you that we live in such a time that we are under the new covenant. Go ahead and take your juice. Now, Father, be glorified in all that was spoken here today, in the proclamation, in the power, in the action of your church, of each person. And Lord God, I, I pray and offer up this baptismal service to glorify you and you alone, Jesus. Let our actions and our deeds speak louder than our words, but let our words be deafening. Jesus, we love you. We glorify you. We humbly lay ourselves down for you. And man, we, we are excited. Lord God, we are excited what you're doing in our lives. We are excited what you're doing in this church. We are excited what you are doing in this world. Lord, we are full of hope, eternal hope, blessed hope. And Lord God, as the suffering and tribulations and persecutions come, help us to rejoice in who you are and allow our actions to, to shine. We pray this and we believe it in the name of Jesus. And everyone shouted out, Amen. We're going to do one more song. This is a great baptism song. It's a wonderful baptism song. And like I said, if you're being baptized and you have clothes to change into, change into them. If you need to follow somebody down there, get in the convoy. Let's go invade Spring Meadow Lake and rejoice for Jesus. Amen. This concludes today's message. We hope you can join us next Sunday for services beginning at 10 o'clock a.m. at Bridge Assembly located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information about Bridge Assembly, go to bridgehelena.com. And we hope you can join us next Sunday with Pastor Jason Metz.